everybody, welcome to the grounds. Today's man, that top order just demolished. <laughs> so normally, what that structure looks like is like this, and honestly, that's part of why the grounds are here as well, so that you don't have to wait for code week in order to see who's who. Alright everybody, welcome to The Groundsman, where you find everything that has to do with school sports, what the boys are doing, how they're doing it, lots of tournaments that have happened over the last week. I think we're going to get straight into it, man. As usual, I've got my co-host, T. T, how are you doing, brother? I'm doing good, man. Good to be back. Um, a lot of activity this past weekend, so yeah, in to hear the results. Yeah, man. Plenty, 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 plenty. We talked about um, SN the 19s of sort of over the last two, three weeks. Um, and I think um, the rest of the public got to got to see them uh, playing in the in the CSA T20 tournament um, last week. So hopefully you, a lot of a lot of sort of the general public would have been able to see what we see on a regular through our own um kind of research and, and trying to get a hold of the guys and, and shedding some light on that so because it was on super sport you know on sort of a public platform um i was I'm, I'm actually hoping a lot of people got to see and can comment a little around what they thought um how they thought the boys played um number one and also um if if they see the sides because they do tinker with them uh, sort of from game to game right um, but also how they how they see the side, um, their skill level, and, and whether or not it's a side that can win an under nineteen World Cup. Yeah, yeah, definitely, man. So we got we had a few games. I think we're gonna have a look at the um, Cape Schools tournament that happened this past weekend. Um, we had a lot of schools go through there, man. We had Dale College, Paul Rose, we had Ronda Bosch. Um, we had Weinberg Boys, Graham College. So, so mostly sort of the, the schools down the Cape. Um, and I, I'm telling you, dude, like, so we've been talking sort of the last month or so um, around uh, what the schools are doing, what the boys are doing, right? We had a look at some of the Northwest games. We had some look at the Northerns games. Um, but uh, we haven't really seen much from some of the, the Cape schools, um, some of the bigger boys in that top five, right? And, and, and they were then yeah. available in this um, uh, Cape schools tournament. And boy, did they show up. <laughs> Boy, did they show up. They haven't been sleeping. Let me put it that way. The people's team started off uh, a, a little shaky, but then they picked up some momentum. These boys started out guns blazing. You can see why they're up there with the St. Stidians of this world. Yeah. Did they, did they kick it off on, on, on the right tone? Man. Oh, man. So I'll give, I'll give you an example, right? We haven't really watched, um, seen much from Bishops this year. Um, and then they, they, they played their, their first game against Somerset College, right? Um, it's, 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 it's hard to say because the, the Somerset hasn't necessarily done badly against sort of schools outside of the, the top 10. Uh, but in comes, um, in comes Bishops. 
and looks like a different picture altogether, man. Um, Bishop scored 345 for eight in their 50 overs. They batted first. Um, Bold Somerset College out for 180 all out in, in 44.4 overs, right? So Somerset tried. Like, they were hanging in there. I think at some point yeah. they thought, okay, listen, um, let's, let's, let's try and not get bowled out. That's, that's, that's the goal right now. Let's try and not get bowled out. Yeah. But, uh, man, 180 all out and 44.4 overs. Forget the strike rate. Forget the, um, the run rate. That, that, that is just the team that's saying we're hanging in there. We're not going to get to 345. Um, let's just see what we can do. So Bishops win that one by 165 runs. Yeah, they were trying to, they were at least trying to go for the mental battle to say you can't bowl us out. The least they, they can do is try bowl us out. So they didn't get that either. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I mean, it, it, it was, it was tough. Eh? So Bishops, um, bishops captained by Mukwena, both wicketkeeper and captain. Um, I think they 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 did relatively well, man. Um, the two opening bowlers, the two opening batsmen, both scored fifties. So you can imagine it's a tough start, <laughs> tough start for Somerset. Um, yeah, yeah. So I mean, the guys, the 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 boy can bat, man. Um, both Mukwena and Joseph. Um, they it's 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 not a it's like what I'm saying is that it's not like Somerset were horrible bowlers and, and they had a terrible side. Um, I think the two opening bowlers laid a very good platform for, for Bishops um, and followed up um, sort of by Matthews and Domingo who came in and, and, and sort of carried on that momentum. So all in all, I think the, the boys did well. One, 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 player to mention who scored a hundred Matthews coming in at three. Um, fantastic. I mean, you can, you can see, you can see some of the shots he's, he, he played coming in. Um, and he's a big boy, you know, he's not, uh, <laughs> he's not a, he's not a, he's not a small boy. Um, but he's, he's got a good technique. I think he does well. Um, he didn't do too badly against spin as well. So I think he's 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 definitely one to watch, man. Yeah, it sounds like uh, at Bishop's team has a couple of solid players. Where I think based on Somerset's performance, I think if they made a team that's lower down on the rankings, they probably would have done better. Um, is that captain opening the batting? Yeah. Yeah. So the skipper, the skipper opened the batting, scored 50-odd. Um, yeah, he scored 54. Uh, he's, also, he's also the keeper. Um, yeah, and he, I, mean, I mean, he did well, dude. Matthews, Matthews came in at four, sorry, not three. Came in at four and scored 107. So I oh, think there's at a strike rate of 142. <laughs> the new game, man. The new game, that's 107 and 75 balls. Yeah, I see. He took the game away from them there. Mm. They were still in it until Matthews came in. Yeah, yeah, definitely. By the time Matthews came in, Domingo came in at, um, at fifth. 
uh, scored 41 at a strike rate of 136. So I think him, when, when Domingo came in, Matthew, he carried on sort of what Matthews was going on about um, and then sort of batted with the tail. But outside of that, I think the, 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 the key player was, was well, first the two opening batsmen who sort of set the foundation. Um, the number three, Holmes, scored 10, um, which always happens, right? <laughs> that's always like, that's the, that's the curse of the, the number three batsman, is that if someone goes out quickly at the top, you usually rushed in. And, and generally, that's when you score your runs. But when you get like a, yeah. a hundred partnership up front, you know that it's going to be you, like that, that Perla is just waiting for you. It's waiting for you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you're not going to survive. Yeah, no, dude. Yeah, so it's, just, it's just the game. I, for, for as long as I've played it, it just plays out that way. More often than not. Um, and then Matthew's yeah, obviously... Someone in the top five is not going to score. At least two yeah. out of the five. Yeah, and then come on. Yeah, yeah, and that's uh, that's exactly what happened again. Um, and then Matthews came through once. Once Holmes took the perla, <laughs> then then um, Matthews came in and and scored a hundred and seven. So, I mean, it's it's a decent performance from the boys. Um, I think they came out strong. It is it is a Cape Schools tournament. Um, it is a Cape Schools tournament, so I guess Bishops did have to show up and, and flex a little there. Moving on from there. Yeah, no, they had to set the tone. Yeah. Um, in their own backyard. I think they pretty much, to me, it's resembling what St. Sidians did in their first game against Potterstrom. And, you know, they clearly, guys like that, clearly built to set the tone from the from game one. Yeah. These uh top ten teams. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Reminds me a little of um um uh what is it? How Vartoklov started the season as well, right? So they they came out hard, posted massive score, um, and sort of ran through uh the sort of the first three um, teams they played against. So guys like this, you can tell cricket is serious. It's not a joke. It's not something we do on the weekends just to have some fun. There's some there's some proper legacy there, and you can see it with with the tone that they set up front. But also, it's really just about preparation. If you look at the bishops, they all had warm up games. But they did in house warm up games. So by the time they actually hit the road, they were warm. They got those big scores out the way, playing the under-15s and, you know, getting the rust out the way. Whereas I think a lot of the um, smaller schools don't have the internal infrastructure to have a competitive in-house game as a warm-up. Whereas the biggest schools, even when they're playing each other in-house, that B team's damn near just as good as that A team for most of the big schools. So just playing them, it's a competitive game. They get to go out there and they really get to perform. And there's some things that can be worked out in-house. So a guy can come back in again during a game, um, an in-house warm-up game. Um, they can have a cap on runs, they can uh, reintroduce guys that have gone out again 
Um, so almost like at your whole 50 overs, even if you get bowled out, the guys come back in. So things like that are able to be done in-house. Um, but those things aren't effective if you don't have strong um, structures where the teams you're playing are actually good enough to give you a run for your money. So by the time you actually get out there, you find that Bishop's boys have probably gained five, six games, a really competitive game before anybody in the public gets to look at them. So by the time they get out there, they just dominate because they've been playing. Yeah. And, and, and it, like you say, right, it, it's competitive cricket. So they're almost getting, getting into that kill for your, for your meals kind of uh, thought process in that those, ro- those round-robin games that they're playing internally are guys also trying to get into that first team. So um, exactly. you, you keep what you kill, <laughs> and, and if you don't, you're out. Um, you you yeah. second team, third team, fourth team. So they're already in that mindset, that competitive, I need to stay on this side, so I need to score runs, I need to take wickets. Yeah, I mean, you may be a good player, and we all know that, but the reality is that if a B-team player in the next five warm-up games at school scores 100 against the first team, someone in that batting lineup is going to get booted off because practically thinking about it, if this guy's scoring 500s against us, why isn't he in our team? Yes. (laughs) <laughs> so now for him to be in the team it means somebody's got to go down to the B side so now we look at okay out of our team this guy at the B team scored 500 against the A team but no one had, but the guy at the A team couldn't score hundreds against the guys at the B team how do we expect the guy at the A team to go score hundreds against the best schools in the country if he mm-hmm. can't do it against our B side so it, it like you're right it it that level of competition already starts in their backyard already. So by the time they get out there, they're also still playing for the right to stay in that side. Because yeah. sure, say warm-up games, guy in the B team scored around 300s, but the A team guys were scoring 100s as well. So it's like, okay, cool. But now there's a guy in the reserve side waiting to come in. Yeah. So you've got maybe two, three games to score runs. If you don't score runs in the next three games, we're going to switch you out for that guy at the B team. Yeah, absolutely. So that pressure still stays even when they're out there, whereas the smaller teams, I think, not having a lot of players available makes it that, oh, I'm in the, I'm in the first team and this is the team. So we're going to play. If we lose, we lose. We win, we win. Whereas these other big schools, they still have a revolving roster. So if they mm-hmm. lose in too many games in a row, they can switch it up. Yeah. Get a new guy in who's scoring runs in the reserve. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely, man. So you can see it goes a long way for a Mr. Matthews um, who comes in at number four and scores 100. It means something. Um, he gets to keep his side. So definitely. Congratulations to him. Yeah, definitely. I think uh, he's now sort of cemented he cited um his spot at least for the next couple games yeah and now it's about that um that opening pair has also done pretty well but now number three's got to go out there and perform and that's really what pushes guys to perform is that number three is feeling the pressure now because number one two and four scored runs Mm -hmm. so now number three and five are like okay we got to pull up our socks 
<laughs> yeah, 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 definitely. It's and and that's what we want, right? I mean, we spoke about it. I think probably in our first podcast, it feels like a long time ago. Eh? Doesn't episode one feel like it was a while ago? Gee, but, um, yeah, we, we, definitely. <laughs> we said it in our first in our first episode in that. That's that's exactly what's required, man. If you if you if you're not performing, you get two three games. If you're not the man in, you get the next guy in, right? You've got your spot. No one's gonna drop you because you you didn't score one game. We all know the game; it's a great leveler, right? Um, but yeah. you 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 have to be a consistent scorer in order to maintain your spot because there's always someone who's ready to come in, and that's sort of what we always hope the proteas adopt that kind of strategy with with everybody not just um sort of the three or four guys who who have sort of long-term contracts with 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 cricket south africa but it'd be a long-term game because it seems like in the in these bigger schools that's just how the culture is now right so it's not like they'll get there and it's and it's a shock to their system that oh, i didn't score uh three games how are you guys gonna drop me it's more of yeah, I didn't score three games. I gotta go back to my my franchise, put on some runs, and then I'll get a look again. Yeah, I mean, look, the reality is that we're as SA, we're never going to win anything significant based on the fact that we treat our national side like a club side, not a national side. Mm. So. I don't see how you give a national player a three-year contract. You get what yeah. I mean? It's like yeah. <laughs> how, because at national, you get picked up based on your performances and you could be playing for a season. You could, you know what I mean? Your yeah. next season is dependent on performance because you're playing at a, for your country. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you can't get a permanent spot in your national team. Yeah. Like, how does that even happen? <laughs> how does a guy, yeah. how do we go, okay, you, because, and the reason why I say this is that national sides aren't like club sides. They, mm. I don't need to secure you. No one's going to steal you away. Yeah. There's a re- <laughs> the reason why clubs give three-year contracts, five-year contracts is so that nobody else buys you, so that you don't go play for anybody else. Yeah. So if we're talking national, nobody... Another country, Zimbabwe is not going to come along and buy you to come and play for their country. They literally can't do that. Yeah. So there is, I don't see how you can secure someone's national spot. Whereas it yeah. should be, we're, we're playing the best players. And over time, you stay there based on your consistency. And that's why back in the day, and you see it with different players, right? Back in the, yeah. back in the day, there were players that could be dropped based on bad performances and the players that wouldn't be dropped. Yeah. Even if yeah. they didn't score runs for over a year, it didn't yeah. matter. Yeah. Yeah. You could see it. And I mean, that, that's the fundamental problem is that we treat our national side like it's a club side and yeah. guys can buy their way into the side and that money talks there where it shouldn't. It's, yeah. You should be playing for honor there. That's what playing for your country means for all these other guys. Yeah. That's not where they make their money. That's not where they're looking to cash out at national. No, they're looking to represent their country. That's the most important thing. Represent their country. And that's why you find that it's, it's guys like us that end up taking the bribes and the stuff like that. 
the, yeah. the Australians would cheat to try to win. South Africans would cheat to throw a game. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's that's tough, and it's it's a bit hard to argue because we've had guys suspended and things like that, right? Um, so, but for for essentially taking bribes and bookies and things like that. So, I mean, that's fair. I would say maybe the the captain, the captain. If you pick a captain, right? It's someone you want long term, someone to stabilize um, a side and sort of bring. Uh, camaraderie and aside um that guy can get a, a a longer term contract obviously like you say based on performance right so if you're not performing yourself if you turn out to be a weak link um you 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 obviously then need your not your contract gets reviewed but your performance get reviewed and 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 we we, we decide we go with someone else um but really though really and i will admit over sort of the last 10 years um sides like england australia south africa um india usually when they pick a captain the captain performs as well you even saw with a fuck right when they picked him as captain it's like he got rockets in his boots and he just started churning out runs um so i think with a captain that's the pressure yeah that's the pressure is that they know they can get dropped if that team doesn't win they know they have to pull a rabbit out of the hat. And that's where that instinct to push beyond that beyond complacency is seen through the captain. But everybody else doesn't have that same pressure. And that's the problem, is that the captain knows that if I don't perform, um, I can't captain the side for a year and lose every game this year mm. because they, I will be dropped as captain. So it may not even be dropped as a player. Their fear is being dropped as a captain. And the shame that comes with being dropped as a captain is what makes them go, I need runs. I need runs. I need yeah. runs. But I think it's a lot harder for them to, to be dropped from the side itself. I think that's where the problems come in is that we're not, we don't have that hanging over guys' head. Whereas Australia and them, every, I mean, we have, uh, side announcements, but they're not really and like. There's no, it's not really an announcement. We just do it because I guess we see the other countries doing it for it. But like we, we announce the same guys. Side. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. The only thing that ever changes is the reserve players. Yeah, I mean, like that's just the reality of it. Is that in a team like India, a player like a Jingarahani has to continuously score hundreds. And even that's not good enough because then he's told he's scoring hundreds too slow. We've got someone who can score a hundred faster than you. So now he had to step up his game to not only, he's already a complete player that can score hundreds consistently, but now he has to do it at a faster rate just to be able to keep, like that is the level of scrutiny that is placed on the players because it's not a permanent position. Yeah. National side is not a permanent position. If you don't score runs, you get dropped. Then you go back to franchises, you score more runs, and that's how these guys make it back into the side. They yeah. go and they dominate a franchise, and they go, okay, Jinka's doing well again. He's literally scored 100 in every single game since he hasn't played for India. Yeah. Um, we got to bring him back in. 
that's what makes him. Then when he gets there, he's, he knows that, okay, I can still get dropped. Hundreds not good enough. Do you think yeah. Najinga would ever be dropped in SA? Never. Never. He would have retired with, jeez, dude, with games galore. Games galore. He would have never been dropped. I mean, if you're not dropping JP, you're not dropping Timber, you're not, you, like, Ajinka's levels in terms of consistency above it. Yeah. 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 No so, doubt about it. Yeah, dude. For me, a complaint should be, is usually enough. You look at the other countries, a complaint is enough to get guy, a, a guy's position question. Mm. Whereas in SA, nobody listens to what the public has to say. It falls on deaf ears. It's we like JP or we like this guy. Or you know, it's yeah. as long as the bodies that he like the guy, and it's not about performance. It's literally if they like him as a person, they're not going to drop him. Yeah. We yeah. saw that with JP. There's a lot of guys we can give examples, but for me, JP is the biggest example to say if they like you, they'll push you, they'll get you, they'll figure, they'll have you commentating during games because they've seen how useless you are in the game. <laughs> that you're okay. You can go sit with the commentators and literally comment during the game you are playing. Uh, <laughs> I saw that. I saw that. I was like, okay, cool. I guess, I guess he can do that. Right? And, and Usually it was like okay, we cool. said. We'll mic you up on the field. Okay, yeah. great. But to go and sit in the studio during your game, it means we've already acknowledged, we know you're not going to contribute. So it's cool. Go, go, go do something else. At least go improve the profile of the team. If you're not going to score runs, go improve yeah. the profile of the team, buddy. Go do go go make yourself useful. <laughs> and it's it's funny though, and it's what we said, I think it was in episode two, was it's that it's that whole thing about one good performance or two good performances that earn you a career, right? So I mean that yeah. Australia tour where he scored a hundred and, and and essentially rescued the 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 series and, and we ended you up winning that beauty. series. Beauty, yes. superstar. That you all know one. that one part, that one That game. one. That one. <laughs> Allow JP hey, to retire. Hey, you beauty. <laughs> you superstar. That was it. Yeah. 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 That's 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 rough. Yeah. Man. Quick quick one, right? Um, while we're talking about that, price tags. Let's talk price tags. We were talking yesterday with a couple of mates of mine um at the game. And the we were talking about uh, Paul, uh, what's his name, Chris Chris Morris, right? Um, got a got a massive price tag at the IPL, um, like huge price tag, right? With that comes publicity. With that comes, and I mean, this is India, right? So you're like in every newspaper. You don't score runs, you're in a newspaper. You don't take wickets, yeah. you're in a newspaper. You drop a catch, you miss field, you're in a newspaper. Right, because you have a price tag attached to you, um, yeah. has had an absolutely shocking T Twenty, right? Shocking, like, like it's it's yeah. No, I think he got dropped or something. Imagine that. That's like, that's like um, uh, PSG buying Messi for a bundle, and then he performs so poorly they just bench him, and then eventually they just 
leave him in reserves, not even on the bench kind of thing, right? That's it's like, I would rather lose that money than have you play. Yes. And, 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 and I can't argue with the coach because it's management. Management goes, yeah, I paid a lot of money for the guy. Find a place. Do something. Yeah. Right? Um, now, it's, this isn't about Chris Morris. This isn't about uh, Chris Morris. This is about um, what price tags do to a player's performance. I suspect um, a guy like Morris, I don't know if he's had really a lot of pressure on him, right? Um, maybe average South African pressure is there, but like we've spoken, if someone likes you, you're, you're good to go. The, the question I think we, we, I, was, I was asking was, um, can if we attach the price tag to some of our players, right in in our franchise league, um, uh, maybe maybe not national. I mean, that's a conversation that can be had. But to attach a price tag to these players so that every time they play, everybody knows how much this guy costs, right? Would it force the 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 franchise uh, managers, the coaches, and the players themselves to lift up their performance and raise their game. And I say that because you look at a, a Ronaldo, a Messi, an Mbappe, a Zlatan, right? Um, a LeBron James, a Kobe Bryant. Um, you know how much they get bought for, right? Generally, yeah. the, the, the price tag comes out. You're like, yo, this guy's got to perform. But because they've been in that realm of people knowing their price tags for so long, they automatically raise their game to a level in which it would justify that price tag, right? So um, the, the Chris Morris conversation for me brought up an interesting one in that maybe there's just not enough pressure on our guys. Maybe there's just not enough um, pressure not just not just internally from the team, but from a public expectation perspective, um, that he that they need to do well because of the price tag that sits on them. I don't know. It's just something I was thinking about. I don't know what your thoughts are. Mm. Look, I think I, I think it it's a it's there's a two way street, right? Yeah. Um, on the one hand. Price tags um, set the tone for your value within the team, right? Yeah. But I think something else that we're sort of uh, forgetting is that for every LeBron that received um, $100 million contract, there are five other guys that receive $50 million contracts that aren't nearly as scrutinized. And that's still a lot of money, though. Yeah. Right? So... I don't think that uh, money, because the money is not spent by the people, I don't think we as people, it's almost as if your performance is what we, is how we value you, not your value is what brings up your performance. So even if you offered these other guys $100 million, they still wouldn't play like LeBron because they just don't have it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Even the football guys, the Ronaldos of the world, He's not Ronaldo because of how much he gets paid. He's Ronaldo because he's Ronaldo. I yeah. don't know if you get what yeah. I mean. The, no. the, 
even even if yeah so i think it's it it's not necessarily the price tag that creates the the value it's um until the price tag is valued more than the best player that's when the price tag matters so yeah. if you're getting paid more than lebron but you don't play like lebron that's when we go this guy is pretty crap but as yeah. long as you're getting paid less than lebron then we don't expect you to play as well as lebron yeah, yeah, yeah. And so these guys get paid as much as they do because they play the best. So I think okay. in SA, you one the franchises can't do that because they play the players pretty horribly. So it won't when we see it, we won't go, oh, that guy's not playing worth fifty thousand rand. Because yeah. like you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Like he's giving us what he's worth, actually. Yes. If they were to take out the how much these guys get paid, so I think the pressure is when we build a um, money matters when there's a market around it. So there yeah. has to be a transfer market, and, and that's the only place where I see where money becomes a thing, because yeah. now we get to compare everybody um, in a market sort of place. Yeah. Whereas I think the current structure now in our cricket system is that it's not really a market. Guys just pop out of nowhere. There's no transfer window. There's no, there's no ecosystem that exists in the trade department of players. So we yeah. don't actually um, value them based on price and skill. So I think price goes hand in hand with skill. And if you matching those two up, then you get a Chris Morris situation where we're like, okay, um, and I think with guys like Chris Morris, sometimes you get bad buys, right? Because yeah. I wouldn't have bought Chris Morris based on his past, past performance. uh, performances. Yeah. So at some point, you also have to look at what is a bad buy. Which one of the guys that were bought weren't ever going to perform that well? Because I think that's that's where public outrage comes from. And you're not getting it with guys like Morris because most of us are going, yeah, well, we didn't really expect him to perform anyway. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's okay that he's not there. But if you have, I'll give you an example. If you have an AD yeah. in the same situation, it then becomes conflicting in the sense that we've paid so much money for this guy. But more importantly, there was an expectation of how he usually performs. And that's really where the disappointment comes from. Then we, the money just helps us quantify how big of a disappointment you are. Yeah, yeah. No, I think I think you're right. What what um, I mean, there is there is a market, by the way. Um, there there is a market outside of um, sort of as in between seasons where guys sign contracts and leave these guys and they sign up here. Yeah. It's just like in typical South African fashion, just goes under the radar, right? Those kind of numbers aren't publicized. Um, yeah, because they're so I think, low. I think well, they don't yeah, want they, that. That's back. why <laughs> <laughs> they don't want people going. Wait a minute, you guys are paying AB twenty five thousand, right? Yeah. I mean, I don't know what the market is, but I'm pretty sure a guy like AB shouldn't be earning that much. You know, it's <laughs> things like that. I mean, and that's yeah. not to say disclaimer. AB, we don't know how much AB gets paid at franchise. That was yeah, just an example. Yeah. 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 
No, dude, like it's, 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 it's just an interesting thought around the evolution of the game, right? We're moving into this T20 fast game sport. Um, we're trying to get more advertising into the game. We're trying to get um, more, more money and value being generated into the game. That's why in our last episode, we spoke about how do we get um, sort of uh, school cricket uh, to be more, more profitable um, and sort of club cricket to also start to generate its own, um, its own economic, I mean, economic value. Um, so I think it's in, it's, it's in those questions that we, I'm thinking, um, where, what attracts a big owner to a club or a franchise, right? Right now, the franchise system is still more or less sort of centralized through Cricket South Africa. But you look at a, a, a Newcastle, right? Um, Newcastle yeah. in the UK, Premier League uh, club, like they have a rich history, right? Just got bought um, and is now coming into some money, almost like a city kind of situation, 700 billion um, uh, uh, owners, you know, like that 700 billion is a lot of money, dude. Um, and they're yeah. ready to pump <laughs> because they almost use like a man city, you know, that oil money dog, they use like a man city to, to test pilot this thing. Can we actually buy our way in, buy our way into winning cups and titles or whatever with the current structures and the current tournaments yeah. that are in place. City comes in. Yes, still need to win a Champions League. That's fair enough. But all, all in all, the model's fairly proven, right? These Oaks are now mm. coming in and buying a, a, a Newcastle. Um, and everybody's sort of clinching um, in terms of who, who, like, who's the dominance now of the English Premier League. Now, my, the reason why I'm using that as an example is that... Um, does our current system and structure facilitate the, the, the attraction to, um, to, to, to billionaire owners, for instance, right? We've seen it with, um, in the local circuit, we've seen it with the LPL and the CPL, right? We're private, we're, we're private individuals form a tournament, um, even the North versus South, for instance. So private individuals form a tournament, they form their own clubs, they call them the Hawks and this and that. They then go to different clubs, get some of the best players in those clubs in the at club level, some school kids as well, put them in there, let them play for a prize, um, for, for some prize money, decent prize money, and, and, and there that goes. Right, so we can already see our local circuit starting to form and swing towards um, private wealthy individuals forming like an underground circuit kind of thing in the off season. Right, what I'm trying to figure out is can the current centralized CSA system, club system, franchise system, um, survive the private capital? that's looking to capitalize on this T20 format, which in turn will have um, revenue and development funding flowing down in order to generate more, 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 more talent, right? Because 
let's think about it this way. Private money is always looking for where value is. It doesn't really matter where it comes from, right? So um, it may have been not really priority number one for Cricket South Africa to have a um, a school in um, so say a school in Tembisa compete compete in the um, compete in the uh, North versus South tournament, for instance, right? Or even the the LPL tournament, right? May not have been really in in the um, in in their priority on their priority list, right? But a private individual comes in and is like, hang on. How many people in Soweto? It's over a million. You mean if we had a team that represented Soweto coming out of there, maybe two, we wouldn't be able to get 60% of that fan base? We could sell some merch. We could sell some tickets. People could come. We can make it, you know, worth, worth it for people to come through on the weekend. Let's do it. Because that's what private capital does. It's not biased on where the money comes from as long as it com- it's coming in. So what I'm asking yeah. you is, can our current system survive this? Um, I don't think the current system can survive the way it is right now. I don't... The way it is right now, it's slowly crumbling because it doesn't have that additional support. So I think that the system as it stands isn't working. Um, The system as it stands was built off of the previous government system. So it wasn't, it hasn't been looked at as a business. It just went from, okay, we're going to move from the Northern Transvaal and then we're going to just incorporate more people. But the systems of how guys are picked, the systems of how guys are developed, all that stuff hasn't really changed. Mm-hmm. So at the moment, what private money is going to do is that private money is going to work to figure out where is the economy in cricket. Because at the moment, it's barely surviving. And we mentioned last week why some of those reasons are, is that there is no national support. So what's going to happen is that the private guy is going to come in and they're going to try to figure out how do we get more support coming into cricket. Mm. And you see it already with this Zanzi T20 and a whole bunch of T20s that they've, that they've tried in the past to make it more South African. Calling it Zanzi T20 doesn't change anything. Like yeah. Just giving it a nice name isn't good enough to get everybody... Oh no, it's it's Mzanzi T20. Okay, black people, let's all go watch because it's called the Mzanzi T20. Yeah, but it's, it's still played by South Africa, right? <laughs> exactly. Put another label on it and send it back out there, and let's hope that they don't realize that it's still the same product. Yeah. So, I mean, there really is no difference between those tournaments and the traditional franchise tournament. It's the same guys. Yeah. So. Yeah, for me, it's the system is required to change in order to become sustainable. This is the version one. Right? If you think about since apartheid ended, we haven't updated the system. We're still operating on version one of how our cricket system should be. So 
So yeah. just based on that alone, are we really saying that the first idea is our best idea? Version yeah. one is the best version of how the cricket system can run. Yeah. So no, it has to be upgraded. It has to be updated. Um, and private money will kill certain parts of the game, like your test cricket. Um, I don't think that test cricket will be played 20, 30 years from now at all. Yeah. Um, purely because they just isn't, it's not economically viable. The reason why yeah. we've been playing test cricket for so long, um, for so many years, is because we could fill stadiums. People, we came from a space where, one, there was no technology. Yeah. So you find that we lived in a time where you could go to a cricket game and sit from 8 o'clock till 5 o'clock and do nothing else. Because <laughs> there is nothing else. Your phone doesn't give you any other form of entertainment. Yeah. So I think that technology is, has been the death of test cricket because it's killed the people's attention span. And yeah. that's what test cricket thrives on. You long concentration now is being able to watch something for a sustained period of time. Whereas now we live in the 30-second TikTok world um, where even a football game, 90 minutes, seems like a drag for most guys. Mm -hmm. Most guys will rather watch the second half of a game. Yeah. Skip the first half. doesn't matter about the first half. Nothing's... The score's a score, but the decision's made at the end. I'll just watch the second half, and that's that. Yeah. Right? So you even just skip the, yeah, man. skip the highlights. <laughs> exactly. Right? Some guys will just watch it on catch-up. Five minutes, watch the whole game, see the best parts, keep it moving. Yeah. Right? So we're living in a world where a game like um, cricket is not sustainable. Games like golf are not going to be sustainable anymore. If you look at who supports golf, you don't see young guys at golf. Yeah. So naturally, you have to imagine that golf doesn't have a new fan base growing. Yeah. Right? Test cricket that. doesn't have a new fan base growing. So yeah. 30 years from now, when all these old guys that love golf are all gone, no one's going to be playing golf. Business is not even done on the golf course by young guys anymore. Millennials, millennials aren't doing business on the golf course. It's the older guy. <laughs> yeah. Sure, big yeah. money still be made, but what happens when those old guys are gone? Mm. What are we doing? Now we're going off to T20 games to go do business. Now we're yeah, going to play uh, a bit of indoor cricket. Now we're doing a bit of shadow boxing. We're going to go watch the fight. Like Everything has come down to, you know, who can give you entertainment three-minute round. Let's watch these three-minute rounds where guys are fighting in a high-impact, high-action. Yeah. Yeah, that's why MMA is sort of kicking off, right? Like, it's just building momentum, like nobody's business. Yeah, it's, it's that fast-paced, high-volume action that takes place from end to end. From the moment it starts to the moment it ends, there's no period where we go, ah, oh, this is a bit boring. And I guess yeah. that's why games like uh, football and, I mean, sports as a whole is becoming shorter and shorter. Mm. Guys are now watching more highlights. Guys are watching less full games. The days where even the guys in the NBA, you know, the days where you would watch every game your team played are gone. Yeah. Every weekend, Saturday, Sundays, it's for those days. It's like life, that world isn't there anymore because there's other stuff to do. Yeah. We, we, we almost 
in a way got so comfortable with sports that we didn't realize that we stopped trying to figure out why are we watching sports. Mm. And so as time has gone on, we forgot that sports was just entertainment. entertainment. There, yeah. are no, there are more entertaining things available now, and so we watch this sports. It was never about anything else than entertainment. Everybody, oh, for the love of the game. Oh, you know, it's so technical. <laughs> you know, we watched it for technique. No, we watched cricket all day because you could literally sit in front of the couch and have something to entertain you from 8 o'clock all the way until 6 o'clock. It's yeah. amazing. That's in a world where you live. don't have your phone. Watching it live. That is like... Exactly. Yeah. You could sit out all day in the sun, hang out with your buddy. But now it's like, yeah, bro, you could do that until like one, but then there's like, you know, we can go do some other stuff. There's a whole yeah. bunch of other stuff. There's VR now, dude. You can play VR games. You can watch other games in VR. There's like, tech is just, you're right. It has completely changed the landscape of how we perceive entertainment. Um, yeah. And, yeah. Back in the day, you didn't even have access to football games, NBA games, any yeah. of that stuff. Yeah. Right? So you're really talking about we used to watch sports on you know, we forget there was a great there's a great interview that uh Robert Morawa does um that I watched. I forgot on what platform he did it on. But it was a recent interview on a podcast that he uh episode that he did. Yeah. And he was just talking about sports back then when he was doing Ladu. Yes, on well, wasn't it? Uh, I don't know if not, anyone remembers. Not, not podcast and chill. With yes, with Mac G, no? Yeah, so it was on. It was on podcast and chill with Mac G. Yeah, so on that, I don't know if you saw the whole episode. Uh, I didn't have time. I didn't have time. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was really good sports guys to to get a good understanding of what the um, the political sports landscape is. Yeah. And, 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 and Rob, Rob is off the mainstream, so I'm sure he drops some gems. I actually oh, yeah, it. definitely. There's definitely some good gems in there. But, yeah, he was talking about uh, his Laduma days. And something yeah. that um, he said really struck me, that you got to remember that back then there was no super sport. So Because they were talking about the 98 World Cup and him covering it, and that yeah. everybody got their sport from SABC. Yeah, so everybody was essentially, we were all just watching SABC. It was usually football on SABC 1 um, and then cricket on SABC 3 and then I think it was rugby on SABC 2, right? Mm. That's where we were all getting our sports and that programming was mixed in with normal daytime programming, right? So whenever you saw sports, it was like, oh, I get to watch some sports. Right? Yeah, yeah. It was just the same as finding a, a cool TV show to watch at that time. It was like, yeah. oh, snap. Oh, they've got a Champions League game. on. This is incredible. You know, let, me, let me watch this. So when the World Cup was on, it was all eyes on there. There was nothing else to keep us entertained. Mm. Right? If years later, we're sitting in a world where Supersport has like a million different channels where sports is playing 24-7 all day, every day. Right? Yeah. Aside from that, you've got access to every single kind of sport that is available in the world. Mm -hmm. So your preferences change. Whereas back then, 
you could only really be a cricket fan, a soccer fan, or a rugby fan. Rugby fan, yeah. Because that's all that was available on television to actually watch. So now that there's more stuff to watch, you find that maybe guys, everybody has diversified so much that there's not enough time to spend my whole day watching one sport. Mm. Damn, man, you're dropping gems. I'm thinking we're not even talking, we, don't, we haven't even brought in the monster that is esports, right? Um, that, yeah. that is still sort of another gorilla on its own sitting over here i mean you've got guys streaming their gaming sessions on youtube right now so uh, on top of super sport being able to bring you all these i mean i've started watching american football of late right because i was like listen i see this thing on all the time i might as well get to learn what it's about right because it's 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 fairly cool and now i'm thinking when when the csa tournament comes on Right, there's some youngsters that are playing that that are now coming in sort of from Pumalanga and KZN and that, and that'll be a good one to watch. But I find myself switching in between a T20 game to just check the score for the for for the NFL game, and maybe catch up on a little bit of um, uh, uh, baseball as well that's coming on. Um, and, and you got to yeah. find other guys that maybe go and check out a little bit of the tennis that's playing. So it, you're absolutely right in that the, the format of the game might not make it, especially the longer format. Yeah, because it, it, it all comes down to entertainment. Like I said, we, we as sports fans like to add some added value but we're losing that added value because now we're just like, I'm not entertained by this. Yeah. I love cricket. I love playing cricket, but this, I don't find this game entertaining. And then I go over to um, NFL and I go, okay, wait, but you know, that was a pretty cool hit. What happened there? It, yeah. it all comes down to entertainment. And the more options we have, the less we're going to stay committed to one discipline. Just yeah. options. Yeah. So what do you do? You have to be able to compete with the most popular guys. So the first thing you've got to do is you've got to bring your game down to at least 90 minutes. Around 90 minutes. Now you're in the game again. Yeah. Now you're competing again. And your your the days of elite sports is also dying. Mm. So nobody wants to watch a sport where we know not everybody can play. Not everybody can get an opportunity to make it in that sport. Yeah. But like a golf or something. Yeah. It'll it be does. for a small sub-segment over there. Exactly. It's a small sub-segment. And we know that not everybody gets, not everybody gets the opportunity to actually be a golfer. And it's not the same as opportunity based on skill it's just not everybody has the access so you're watching a sport filled with people who had the privilege of being able to um, be allowed into that club yeah we know that it's not the type of sport where you can make it coming out of umslang i'm not even i mean umta yeah right you because just of the nature of the sport. So it's not really a knock on the sport. 
it's the nature of the sport that makes it hard for others to access and so yeah. it ha- it less people are interested in it yeah. why rowing and sailing and those things never took off yeah because who's playing that we we don't know people and i think that's really what makes sports popular i think it's a combination of one there's a money factor yeah. so there's a the the interest rises based on how much money is on the table yeah absolutely right so absolutely. we watch tiger because we heard this guy's worth a billion dollars <laughs> let's see why is this let's guy see. worth a billion yeah exactly so yeah, yeah. man I, i i i think that the formats in all sports are everybody's trying to hold on to their market share nobody has a stronghold on fans anymore in any sport and i think ufc right now is starting to kill guys because ufc is ufc is doing what most sports can't right and that is they giving you finals all day yeah that's the difference right <laughs> we all love to watch finals we all yeah. love to watch when all the stakes are on the table in most sports you got to wait a whole season to get to the finals mm. whereas what ufc has done is that they putting on every pay-per-view is a championship fight and it's the yeah. best fighting the best and so it's literally like watching the super bowl every pay-per-view that they have every second every we every once at least once a month they've got yeah. a massive pay-per-view where you're seeing welterweight champion the heavyweight champion It, they've created the machine that creates finals and that's yeah. what people are attracted to every game is a pay-per-view whereas every other sport i got to watch the entire nfl season just to see who wins the super bowl mm. Mm. and and before it used to be a build up right um again one it gave people something to do um if you look at a lot of guys they get interviewed they'll say um it 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 was a shining light during a dark time in my life right for instance um you hear soccer fans um that are so passionate about their clubs or passionate about a united or an arsenal or liverpool or whatever and they'd say um man i remember i was unemployed but liverpool i'd go down to the pub or wherever and liverpool would win on the weekend and it would get me through the week you know and and it's it's that stuff that 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 guys attach to 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 sport over time um the thing about it now is that with so much content you guys are finding that in other places right they're finding it in a in a docu series um about a Tyson Fury for instance right guy comes out of the dirt right where he's from um builds yeah. up a reputation gets into trouble gets into drugs fights his way out now he's killing every bad boxer in the game kind of thing right so there's there's that that keeps you that now gives guys an opportunity to to find that inspiration somewhere else and again like uh, it's not a it's not an easy thing to to captivate an audience um and people often forget is that um yeah. the, the the power of a the power of an english premier league is fundamental um sort of cult following sits for instance for a uh, manchester united sits in manchester right it's their mm. club 
They love it. They grew up on it. Their father spoke about it. Their uncle spoke about it. That's what it is. Um, red versus blue. Liverpool, the core fund. If everybody stopped supporting Liverpool Football Club around the world, they would still have a fan base in Liverpool, right? So yeah. the, 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 what I think a lot of um, sporting codes have forgotten, and that's, that's what we spoke about last week, is that they've forgotten that you have to build a cult following. And the only way you can do that is starting with players that come from those regions. Once you have a core base of players, of people who come from those regions, who people can see themselves in the sport, you then have a cult following that allows you to grow that sport beyond that region, beyond that country, and sort of beyond that continent. Yeah, and, and that's, that's what I was thinking, right, is that the, the core competitive edge that some of these um, sporting codes have that I think some don't is the ability to draw on your heartstrings, right? And they've been able to create a, um, a legacy following. So I may not maybe yeah. I may not watch like full football games for other clubs, but I make sure that when United's playing, I'm catching all the important games, right? Uh, my kids see yeah. me do it. I tell them this is a United house, whatever, whatever it is we do, right? Um, and and that that they have the the competitive edge and and the opportunity to do. But what I think cricket hasn't done is if you haven't, for instance, played cricket right you don't and you're from the northwest you don't necessarily have a an attachment to the dragons right you, generally you you don't they're playing you're like oh okay who are these guys are oh, they play from the northwest oh they called the dragons right well i watch the dragons games because i i i have an attachment to them right play at the stadiums all of that um uh but in order to garner that kind of that kind of fever pitch loyalty. Um, like you say, the format's going to need to change and more people around the country are going to need to see themselves in the sport. Yeah. Look, I think it's, it's two things, right? It's one, it's, it's what you're saying. Um, I mean, if you, it's one thing that the UFC is getting right. Right, is the UFC has realized that for every champion that they have from a country outside of America, they build a whole new fan base. Right? All mm. you need is an Irish champion, and all of a sudden, the entire island watches the UFC. Yeah. Right? You just need McGregor, and you've got Ireland. Right? Yeah. All you need is a, an Israel Adesanya yeah. uh, coming out of New Zealand for New Zealanders to start watching um, the game, right? Yeah. Or for Nigerians to start watching the game because they've got a Nigerian champion, yeah. right? And so it, it follows that logic to say, right now, you look at a Khabib, right? For Khabib to be the undisputed, undefeated champion, retiring, all that, that gave the UFC strong presence in the UAE. Because mm. of Khabib's Muslim background. Yeah. He became the first Muslim USG champion. He literally now has every Muslim who's, a, who's interested in fighting watching the UFC. It's yeah. why they're able to set up stuff like um, Fight Island and Abu Dhabi and everything they've done. Not forgetting that he's actually Russian as well. 
And so now, yeah. being the first Russian guy, he's now built an entire new following where Russians are now watching the UFC because it's possible for them to make it into the UFC. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, They're not just huge. watching it because Khabib is there, but it's like every Russian fighter now watches the UFC more because now it's possible for me to make it there. Mm. I follow it now. I follow the players because one day I can actually go and fight those guys. So yeah. that's the one side, right? And then the, sec- the other side of it is that, um, which I think has played a much bigger role, is that technology has taken the glean away from the fans' eyes. So I'll say right now, the, the, the future in football, I think Ronaldo and Messi are the last big superstars in football. And everybody, all the superstars you are seeing now in sports are going to be the last, quote-unquote, football or sports superstars. Because we're living in a world where you're no longer a mystery. Mm. It's so much harder to be a superstar because it's not based on your skills. Yeah. If this was back then, there's a lot of guys right now in football that are probably better than Messi and Ronaldo. But because we live in a new digital age where everything's so sped up, there's no mystery behind these guys. And so there's no real need to go create... like. The reason why the world became enamored with Ronaldo and Messi and the Ronaldinho's is that you only ever really saw them on the football field. Yeah. You didn't get to follow them daily and have them tweet all day and share their thoughts and share their life. And, and so mm. they were a mystery. It's what made WWE so effective back then is that you believe that that, that is who that guy is. Yeah. There was no behind the curtain. And I think yeah. that Social media and technology has created a behind the curtain, which makes these guys seem less godlike. Yeah. Yeah. That changes everything. That changes how we support them. You know, that's why you don't get someone with Michael Jackson's level of stardom anymore. Mm. Because there is a cap on how much people will go crazy for you because they see enough of you. So when they see you, it's less, they go less crazy. But Michael Jackson was like, you only ever see this guy when you go to a concert or if you're lucky. And then there's <laughs> hordes of fans because nobody knows who this guy really is. Yeah. But in this day and age, stardom isn't all that. The stars are the people we know more about, not the guys we don't know. Yeah. So yeah. And that's why um, uh, Scorsese and De Niro are less valuable to day than Kevin Hart and Dwayne Johnson. Yeah, perfect example. <laughs> perfect example. That's that's true. I was actually watching an interview with um, uh, Denzel Washington, and he was talking about exactly what you're talking about now, which is the fact that back then you you would pick a movie here, and then wait like three years, make another movie there, and people didn't get to see you right they didn't um you didn't do too many premieres you you weren't really out in the public eye like that so what happened was that when a move when a movie of yours came out guys just turned up and scored right um and then yeah. and then like you say technology started to change the wavelength of how 
how that generation begins to perceive you, whereas it's an out of sight, out of mind kind of thing, right? So that's why yeah. you see a Will Smith on TikTok, on Insta, doing, you know, they're everywhere. Kevin Hart, Dwayne Johnson, um, The Rock, out here doing all sorts of things because now that allure of being mysterious is now eternal. Hmm. I want to know you before I support you. That's the world we live in now. I need to know you. I need to know what you stand for, your guiding principles, so that when I say I'm a rock fan, I can stand behind it. When someone says, yeah, but you say, nah, he works hard. This is you. You almost have to, in this day and age, I need to be able to justify to the next guy why I support you. For me to do that, I need to know enough about you. But yeah. if I don't know enough about you, then everything's rumors, right? Yeah, yeah, but I heard this guy did this, right? You don't have a presence, so I don't, I can't defend you, yeah, or I can't justify. And I look like somebody who doesn't have substance. You support somebody you don't even know. Yeah, those, those, <laughs> like, you know what I mean? It sounds crazy now when you say that to somebody, but back then, that's how it worked. You don't yeah. even know that guy's like, yeah, but I love Michael Jackson so much. I love his music. Now it's like. Cool, I like your music, bro, but he's actually a pretty good guy. He's got a foundation. You know, he helps out. Yeah. You got to give us more. You got to give us a reason to support you. You got to give us a reason to fight for you in terms of getting more opportunity. The reality yeah. is that it doesn't matter. Like, the fact that a Dwayne Johnson on his own is more valuable than Universal Studios' push power. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A tweet from Dwayne Johnson is more valuable than an entire marketing campaign done by Universal Studios. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the guy launched the tequila brand and took it global single handedly, bro. <laughs> Dude, like, we you- all mess with Terramana because we don't know <laughs> nothing else about Terramana but for the fact that it's DJ's tequila. That's yeah. it. That's all yeah. most, most of us needed to know is that it's Dwayne, The Rock Johnson, and it's his tequila. And if yeah. we buy it, Dwayne makes money. We're yeah. okay with that. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's the, what do you call it? It's the R. Kelly effect, right? Um, we've seen so many scandals with people that we support um, that, that, that people are just like, listen, man, if I'm going to, if I'm going to support you like that, like, like crazed fan kind of support, um, loyalty, I need to know a little bit more about you, man. There's some guys we've, we've been chanting their names and they've made us look like fools because of the things they're doing um, in the dark. So in times like this, you look at a Ronaldinho as well, for instance, right? Um, it's, it's tough seeing him that way, but his sheer talent was just so captivating that we don't really care what he did in his personal time, right? Um, mm. and, and, and now, as we're learning a little bit more about the struggles he's had, um, you know, the drinking, psychological, all that stuff is, is like you say, what makes us begin to see um, sportsmen um, as human beings. Um, back yeah, in like day, he wasn't just a happy-go-lucky guy. It turns out <laughs> he was just a drunk. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> just that information went from, oh, Ronaldinho looks like such a happy, he's full of life. Mr. He's, Smart. You know, he was just drunk. 
Yeah. 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 Smiling assassin, right? You look at a, um, a Maradona. It's ridiculous, man. Like it's, yeah. it's, it's, it opens you up. And I guess now, I mean, we talk school cricket, right? <coughs> Excuse me. We talk school cricket and, and it's, it's something we have to talk about because now these kids are, have, almost need to get a glimpse into what that world looks like because not all of this is just like a, um, a character thing. It's also an environmental thing, right? So um, it's, it's, it's not just important that we know about the stuff because these guys are superstars. They're around the world. People follow them because they make so much money, right? And they garner so much support. Um, our cricketing space is almost, it's almost like a, if you're not in that world, if you don't play it, it's almost like a, 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 a black hole where the people they get to see behind the curtain around, um, we're getting to learn now about what Makai and the guys used to go through, um, how they party, how guys um, in, 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 in some of these national sides or even these, these provincial sides, how they go about their business. Because cricket has been such a, uh, a niche kind of sport with specific people who, who follow it and not a national kind of, kind of following, um, it's, it's, it's the world behind how this, how this sport functions and the culture in which how this sport functions has been sitting behind the curtain. And I mean, those are some of the things we're going to talk about because I, I think it's important that youngsters and parents know what world their kids are going through and are going into so that they can so that parents can one give their kids the right the right kind of support number one two we can also have these academies and these franchises begin to support the players in a way that allows them to sort of have a fulfilling career in life Um, but also for the players themselves to know I'm not about all of that. I'm about this. I'll do that. I'm not going to do that. Look, I'm, I'm going to, my advice to young sportsmen right now is that the game is becoming more than just about your skill. You need to become an influencer. You need to build your own following. Even yeah. as a kid right now, make sure that you've got Build your build your own little local cult following. Yeah. Get your your friends and family, you know, get people, make content, make, you know, you you have to build your profile because I tell you what, everybody's like, oh, PSG and you know, a Ronaldo and the Messi are bored. Um, they wanna win cups. No, 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 no. The cups are cool, mm. yes. But really it's about those shirt sales. It's go. about understanding the viewer numbers per game, having Ronaldo on. You know what I mean? That, yeah. That's where the, the real money is made is that is the guy I'm buying a known player? It's not about whether or not he is necessarily a good player. It's about whether or not he sells tickets. Yeah. That is why everybody's hating on someone like a Jake Paul because he's proving that in front of everybody and he's doing it with everybody's buy-in reluctantly. Mm. So everybody hates it, but the fact is he's a big paper 
you draw in his first three professional fights because he has his own following. Yeah. He didn't need to get fight uh, 30 fights, knock guys out, go through the rings. He doesn't have to earn your respect. Yeah. And that's what people, that's where the conflict is with traditional sports fans and where um, sports is moving to inevitably is that sports is no longer about whether or not you respect the player. Whether or not that player makes, uh, brings eyeballs, brings attention to the sport, makes people watch the sport. That guy's far more valuable than the most skilled player. Yeah, absolutely. Because I mean, the most skilled at... player doesn't sell tickets. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I mean, you want to see your favorite player, whether your favorite player is a guy that, that, that does his own thing on the weekend. I mean, you look at a, a Jesse Lingard, right? Um, the main reason in reality why United still keeps him is because he sells jerseys galore. His online following is massive. Yeah. So you'll um, find that guys like uh, Dwemini in them. It's yeah. maybe why those guys are kept as well on the national side is that they have they popular, they popular players and they sell tickets. Mm. People want to go see them play, whether they're performing or not. People want to go see them play. And so long as people want to see them play, they get played. Yeah. Yeah. Listen, man, I think yeah, we can we can go on. I think we're out of time. Um uh I think the the there's there's a lot we can talk about in the game and and there's obviously quite a bit I think that we've covered here today. Um I think in our next episode we'll dig in a little uh a little deeper around sort of the the structures of the game how young players can 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 really influence the game beyond what the structures allow them to right um give some opportunities i i follow some um some players on uh on insta on instagram shout out to big legs um i think he's uh, there's some good players there guys that are trying to do what you're talking about right now right um building a profile um, and, and also mind you, there's skill accompanied with that. These boys can play. So if you really yeah. do, if you really can play, um, and you building your own profile, building your own, um, sort of following, uh, tag the groundsman, uh, friend us on, on, on social media, we'll definitely come out and, and have a look at you. Um, and honestly, that's what the groundsmen are here for, man, to give you the support and guidance that, that, you, that you need to get you to where you need to go in a productive and effective way. So, um, T, any last words? Uh, yeah, it's been a good one. Um, been some good results. I think uh, the Western Cape schools have uh, put themselves on the map now. Mm-hmm. Put their foot down to say, okay, cool. This is this is who we are. Um, so yeah, man. I think I'm I'm interested now in the weeks to come when guys start playing more of each other. Interested to see at some point seeing the top guys playing against each other. Um, a Rondevos Saint Stidians game would be really be good. Great. So yeah, man. Yeah, lot to look forward to. Absolutely, absolutely. And the North versus South. Um, tournament starts this week. Um, we'll be keeping an eye on that. Um, it is in 
Pretoria, I think. Yeah, it's, it is in Pretoria. So the groundsmen are going to be out there, try catch a few games, um, get some interviews for you guys. Um, and also get, we're getting some interviews from some of the coaches um, that participate in the Michael Mass tournament, as well as the Cape School tournaments this week. We're going to do some interviews and put them up for you guys. Um, hope you enjoy those. But again, thank you so much for joining us, guys. I think this is, we enjoy the podcast. We hope you're enjoying it too. Um, join us next week for, for the next episodes from The Groundsman. See you next week. All right, everybody, welcome to the groundsman. Today's man, that top order just demolished him. <laughs> so, normally, what that structure looks like is that this, and honestly, that's part of why the groundsmen are here as well, so that you don't have to wait for Coke Week in order to see who's who and what's what.